Welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. Will family farms return? What will the reign and rule of Jesus do for us and our planet? Will Jesus bring permanent peace and restore all things good? Let's find out. Now here's your host, Elbert Hardy. Hi everybody, this is Elbert Hardy. I want to talk to you today about something very unusual in prophecy. You probably have never heard anything like this before. I want to talk about great joy. Great joy? Great joy is prophesied? And what does that have to do with you and your future? Have you ever experienced great joy? Great joy? Hmm. Well, let's see. How about when my three kids were born? Or the day I got married? Or the day I got baptized? Those were exceedingly great, joyful days for me, um, relatively speaking. However, is that what God was talking about in the Bible when you research the words together, joy, great joy, together, what do we find? That's what we're going to explore. So let's start with Matthew 2 and verse 10. Matthew 2, 10. Well, I'm going to back up uh, to verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem. He's talking about the... Uh, um, the Magi, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Yeah, right. Verse 9, when they, heard, when they had heard the king, they left, and behold, the star which they saw in the east went ahead of them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Now, why would they rejoice because they saw a star? The star was moving. It was an angel, a bright, shining angel, in my opinion. Verse 11, And when they were um, in the house... They saw the young child with his mother, and they fell down, Mary, of course, they fell down and worshipped him, and when they had opened their treasures, they gave him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the precious things of the day. And I do believe that myrrh was used to bury people, which is prophetic. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country by another route. And when they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up and take your child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And stay there until I bring you word again, because Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. 
And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and fled to Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. And you can read the rest of the story, but you, you probably are well aware of it, that Herod was so angry that he went and slew every child in Nazareth, or in Bethlehem, and the surrounding towns, to get rid of any possibility of a king following him or competing with him. Now, why were the Magi exceedingly joyful? Why did they have exceeding great joy? Well, they had been on a long journey, probably from somewhere in Saudi Arabia. And they had anticipated finding this king that they had so long heard about. And so they knew they were near the end of their journey and they saw the king, the future king. They knew they probably wouldn't live long enough to see him grow up and become king, but still they presented him very expensive gifts. And why? Well, that's what you do with a king. You don't go before a king to meet him with nothing in your hand. That's absurd. That just shouldn't be done and wouldn't be tolerated, really. Now, what about after the return or um, the resurrection of Jesus? Matthew 28 and verse 8 says this. 28.8, Matthew. Well, let's back up to verse uh, 5. And when the, or the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. He, just like he said, Come and see the place where the Lord lay in the grave, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goes ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him, just like I have told you. So they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and ran to bring this news to the disciples. And when they went to tell the disciples, and the ASV uh, omits the preceding words except for the word and, but anyway, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers that they go into Galilee and there they will see me. And as they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed the chief priests all these things that were done, i.e., the resurrection of Jesus and him telling uh, his disciples to go into Jerusalem and, and Galilee. 
And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Tell them this, that his disciples snuck in by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. And if this reaches the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money, the bribe, and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews to this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and teach that is, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things whatsoever I have commanded you. And notice that I will be with you even unto the end of the age. And that's the end of chapter, uh, actually, of all of Matthew. What was this great joy? Well, you can imagine a man that spent three hour, or three years with you and taught you and loved you and showed you so many miracles. And then he gets killed in a hideous, horrible way on the cross. And they thought it was over. Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. It's over with, you know. But three days later, poof, Jesus is alive again and standing before them and showing them his hands and his feet. No wonder they were full of joy. Are you kidding me? That would be quite exciting, quite awesome, quite wonderful. And then to realize that everything Jesus had said was real and is true. That he is the great king. And that he will come back and set up a government here on earth. He will live and reign on the earth. Now, where's that found? Well, there are at least two places in Revelation that I know of. Revelation 5 and verse 10. Revelation 5 and verse 10 says this. Well, I'm going to back up to uh, 9. They sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the book and to open the seals of it. For you were slain and have redeemed us, purchased us into God's family. Well, it doesn't actually say that. It says, did purchase unto God by your blood. Men of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And have made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Wow. 
Kind of reminds me of Isaiah 61. I'm going to read from uh, verse 1 to about verse 8. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is speaking of Jesus. Because the Lord has appointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty, a garland, a crown for ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness or depression, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. That's really interesting to me. That he might be glorified. Why do I think that the word planting of the Lord is interesting? I'm just going to pause right there and go to uh, 51.16 of Isaiah. My very favorite verse in all the Bible. It's also Corey Tinboom's. Here it is, and I quote, And I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens. And lay the foundations in the earth, and say to Zion, You are my people. God is in the most joyous, happy place, and he wants us to be there too. And I'm not talking about going to heaven when you die. I'm talking about him planting the heavens, just like he said right here. In Revelation uh, 1, 6, he has made us kings, or to be a kingdom, and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him, including those which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall mourn over him. Not because he's come back. Not because he's come back to um, execute wrath on people. No, they mourn over him because they realize what they've done when they murdered him on the tree. And they're sorry. For they know who he is now. He's the king of kings. In verse 12 of chapter 5, we read, Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard 
myself, saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. You see, this is why the disciples were filled with joy. They knew who he was. They knew he was the coming king and that he's coming to reign here on planet Earth. Wow. And not only that, but that he's planting the heavens with people who love him. Wow. Another place of this um, great joy is in Luke 2, starting in verse 8. There were in that same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night, which proves it wasn't in the middle of the winter, the dead of winter, the winter solstice, December 31st. No, no or 25th, or anywhere near there. There's snow on the ground. They're not going to be out there with the flock. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were scared to death. And the angel said unto them, Don't be afraid, for, look, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Why? Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, i.e. Jerusalem, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, that you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace toward men of good will. And it came to pass that when the angels had gone away into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Come on, let's go. Let's get down to Bethlehem and see this thing. Let's see if it's true, which the Lord has spoken unto us. So they ran with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad this saying, which was told them concerning this child. And everybody that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Unquote. Now, what would make you more joyful than knowing that God had arrived on planet Earth? that he was here, that he was accessible, that you could actually talk to him or one of his representatives. You could get healed. You could get set free. You could get your eyesight restored or your hearing. All kinds of good things will come when he's here. And that is reason plenty for great joy. Now, in Psalms 42... Or, I'm sorry, 48, verse 2, we read this. I'm going to start in verse 1. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, i.e. Jerusalem, in the mountain of his holiness, his holy mountain, that is. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth. 
That's what Mount Zion is. On the sides of the north, the city of the great king. And that is Jesus. Now I want to go back to Luke 6 and verse 23, which says this. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Have you ever leapt for joy? You were so happy and thrilled. Would you, if you um, won the lottery, would you jump for joy? Well, it, it's what it represents. But anyway, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner did your fathers treat the prophets. So in other words, you're in league with them. Wow. That makes you pretty special. Yes, sometimes I think we need to leap for joy and dance for joy. By the way, if you go to YouTube and type in ELO around the world and watch some of those videos where they're dancing in the streets in various cities all over the world, New York, Amsterdam, um, Sydney, Vietnam, all over the place. It's incredible. What a, what a great example of joy, dancing in the streets like that. That's what we will be doing or should be doing, probably will be doing, when Jesus is actually here, reigning on the earth. It's the end of corruption, in America today, we have a lot of corruption politically and corporately in the business world. It's really a mess, truly. It is a mess. There's bribery going on. There's murders going on behind the scenes, stuff like that. That's not something we can rejoice over. But the end of that is not the end of the United States, the end of corruption, so, let's go on to Luke 24 and verse 42. I should have said Luke 24, verse 52, not 42. I'm going to start in 49. And behold, this is Jesus speaking after his resurrection. He's talking to the disciples and giving them instructions. And he says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city of Jerusalem until you are imbued with power from on high, i.e. God's Holy Spirit. So he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple, praising God and blessing him. Amen. And that's the end of the book of Luke. I'm heading toward Acts 8.8, 8, but I want to start in verse 4. Therefore they were scattered, and they, when they went abroad, everywhere preaching the word, 
Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. You remember the Samaritans were despised by the Jews. And the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Did you know Philip did miracles? For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and those that were lame were healed. Now, if you were one of those people, wouldn't you leap for joy? Now that you could walk, sometimes for the first time ever in life. And there was great joy in that city. Unquote. That's verse 8. So, there are reasons for people to have great joy. I'm going to show you another one. Let's go to Acts 15 and verse 3. Acts 15, 3. Well, let's go to number 1 first. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren and said, Except you are circumcised after the manner or custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas, who had no small dissension and disputation or questioning with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through uh, Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversation of the Gentiles with the conduct, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they had arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all the things that God had done through them. Unquote. When God works through you, do you not have joy? Great joy? Yes, yes you do. And lastly, for tonight... Or today, I want to go to Hebrews 12, 2 for a moment. So let's start in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about or surrounded uh, with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us, and let us run with patient endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame of it, and is set down at the right hand of God, right hand of the throne of God, I should say. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your own minds. For you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. I'm going to stop right there. What is this joy that was set before him? Hmm. Well, I'm going to tell you from 
the lips of whoever wrote the book of Hebrews. In verse 8 of chapter 2, he says this, You have put all things in subjection under his feet. You crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. And that's part of verse 7. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under Jesus. Now we do not yet see all things put under him, but we do see Jesus, at least in our mind's eye, who was made a little lower, or for a little while lower, because he had to suffer death, now crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death in the place of every man, including me and you. For it became him, for whom are all this, all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain, the author of their salvation, perfect through sufferings. Did you catch that, what he said there? In bringing many sons to glory. Now, I'm not talking about dying and going to heaven when you die. No, that's not anywhere in the pages of the Bible, by the way. Look it up for yourself. It's not there. It's a myth. It's something promulgated down through the ages by the Catholic Church. But it's not real. It's not what it's about. It's about bringing many sons unto glory, letting them enter into the kingdom of God. You want another scripture to prove that? In Luke 16, 16, Jesus says this, the law and the prophets were until John. In other words, it's all they had until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. That is our purpose. That's where we're headed. That's where we're going. We're going to join the family of God, spreading his love and all the other good things that he's coming to bring. This is so amazing to me. That's why he died. He did it so that we could be one of those sons and daughters or daughters who are in his family, his very own family forever. Wow. Well, this is Albert Hardy. I wanted to bring this to you, and there's a lot more that I could say about it, but to look forward to something that magnanimous is... It's almost hard for us to grasp, but it's real. It's more real than you and me. We're temporary, and that is permanent. What a great thing that will be. Can you imagine no taxes, no sicknesses, no disease, no loss? Instead, prosperity and health and exuberance happy, joyous living forever, doing wonderful things like helping people and healing them and teaching them and loving them and serving them, 
That's what makes for true happiness, folks. Well, thank you for listening. Go to my website, jesusiswhy.com, or else itellwhy.com. They both go to the same place. There you can see my eight books. They're really long Bible studies, one of which I recorded, The Life of Christ, in audio. It's 11 hours long, but you can do a half hour apiece in all the episodes. There's 30 different episodes. That's itellwhy.com. You can email me at jesusiswhy at gmail.com. If you have a question, I'll try to answer it on the air. Till next time, this is Albert Hardy. Have a great day and night. Thanks for listening.